You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Good morning, everyone. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary. We're just honored to have you join us here in person, those watching online. And uh, throughout this month, we've been sharing some of these amazing stories of what God has done. God is a miracle-working God, and we've been talking about the power of prayer. It's not something we just flippantly throw out there. It's true. It's true. And uh, Sarah's story is just another example of just the power of prayer. Real quick before we jump into the message, I just wanna mention next Sunday is our Vision Sunday. Uh, And if you're not familiar, our Vision Sunday is really an opportunity for us to celebrate all that God has done in this past year, to share some updates and reports and things like that 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 are important for those who call this place uh, home. Um, Also, for those who are catalysts or members here at Calvary, we'll have a meeting after service next Sunday to elect our board of deacons and uh, share some updates there. So uh, if you're a catalyst, plan on staying a little bit afterwards. Next Sunday will be done by one o'clock for sure. And uh, if you're not a catalyst, you can still stay for that catalyst meeting. It's not a closed meeting. You just can't vote. So um, we're an open book. We want to make sure that you uh, feel open to kind of check things out as much as you want. But next Sunday is our Vision Sunday. I'm excited uh, to, to, to get to celebrate and to share some cool things that God is going to be doing throughout this year and coming years. Uh, you know, uh, this is such a unique time that we find ourselves in in history. Um, and especially in our culture. This, the, the culture that we live in today, one of the amazing things about it is that it has never been easier to stand out, to be the best you you can be, to be an individual and really blaze your own trail. Everything's customized. <laughs> My son, we have Alexas in our house. I don't know if you have Alexa. If you're watching online, I'm sorry if I just tipped off your Alexa. Um, uh, but we have them in our house, and my son uh, wanted to change the one in his room to Ziggy. So now you call it Ziggy instead of Alexa. And like everything is customized. We, we can be the most individualistic person in the world. It's kind of a neat time if you're creative. And, and there's such a beauty in how God has made us all so diverse, so distinct, and so unique. Even throughout this month, we've been hearing stories uh, uh, each, before each message of, of the things God is doing. And, and these are stories that maybe you didn't even know about people that you see every week. And, and we all have these stories that bring us from different places and two different places. In Psalm 139, verse 14, it says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I love that statement. There is not another person on the face of the earth today or throughout human history that is like you. You are unique. As Dr. Seuss would say it, Today, you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. I can't say it any better, right? You see, God has made you unique. You are truly one of a kind. And because of this emphasis that we find in our society of being a capable, unique individual, our pursuit of God has oftentimes become a solo pursuit as well. Uh, uh, it's an individual journey to know God and discover who he's made us to be. And, and while we do have personal responsibility for pursuing and standing with God, from the opening pages of the Bible, our spiritual pursuit was never meant to be a solitary pursuit. It's meant to be a collective pursuit. It's something you do with others. Pastor Jason uh, recently shared with me this really amazing book called Transforming Worship by Rory Nolan. You can see it there on the screen. 
Uh, it's an amazing book that paints this beautiful picture of what worship should be biblically, that, that it should be a formative space where disciples are ultimately cultivated. And in the book, he talks about this idea that, that a worship service, uh, like what we're a part of today, is, isn't a collection of different things all crammed into one day or one event, but it's rather a collective prayer offered up to God by a community of faith, that everything from worship to prayer to God's word, all that we do is is a collective prayer offered up to God, and that collective prayer is this unique, unmistakable expression of a group of believers in true community, not simply gathered together with their own separate goals or pursuits, but gathering together with that one collective pursuit of knowing God and his heart together. And and this is a simple thought that I wanna share with you today, that a collective pursuit of God captures the heart of God because it captures the ultimate intent of God. God's intent isn't just to know you, his intent is to know us. If you've been in church for any significant amount of time, maybe you've, you've probably heard the saying that goes something like this, if, if Jesus came to this earth and you were the only person on the face of the earth, he would still have gone to the cross just for you. And, and I love that statement and, and why I believe the, the heart and the, behind that statement is true because Jesus so deeply loves you. I think it can also misrepresent God's intent for you and me. Uh, he, he loves us. He wants to love us, he, his, but his never in, he never intended uh, that, that it would just be you and him, that he just loves you individually, or, or, or that we just offer prayers back to him from, from a solitary place. This faith that we hold to, this ancient faith, a faith that has impacted billions and billions of people over the last 2,000 years, a faith that by most estimates has impacted over a third of the global population today, this faith from its beginning has always been a communal faith. It's not a faith that is ever meant to be a solo pursuit, it's meant to be a collective pursuit. And if you go way back, all the way back to the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, uh, there we see this journey that God took a man by the name of Moses on toward this communal expression of prayer and worship back to God. In Exodus chapter three, Moses was in the middle of a very different chapter in his life. He was a Jewish man that uniquely had been raised in the palace of the Pharaoh, um, of the Egyptian Pharaoh. As as an adult, though, he came upon this uh, Egyptian who was beating a a, a Jewish man. And Moses was so enraged that that this Egyptian would be beating one of his own people, a Jewish man, that, that Moses turns on this Egyptian and he beats him to death. Fearing for the consequences of what had just taken place, Moses flees Egypt. He gets about as far away as he can. He goes to, to Midian. Now, now, Midian from Egypt was about a 300-mile trek. It would have taken him about six, seven days to get away. So he, he's going on the backside of nowhere. And, and, and in Midian, he meets this girl, and he ends up marrying her. And, and, and for the next uh, chapter of his life, he spends the time looking after his father-in-law Jethro's flocks out in the wilderness, the Midian wilderness, This long season of Moses' life was filled mostly with looking after those flocks by himself out in the fields or out in the middle of the Midian wilderness. I could only imagine where his mind would drift to on many of these days, on these these hot, long journeys he was on. How, How different his life was now compared to living in the palace. He 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 was so often isolated, reminded of what he didn't have. 
and no longer had people serving him, but now he was serving at his father-in-law's direction. And in one of those long days, Moses found himself on Mount Sinai with his father-in-law's flocks, and he came upon this bush that was engulfed in flames, but was not being consumed. In this unique moment, God begins to speak to Moses. And in isolation, while he's by himself, God meets him there. And as God speaks to Moses in this pivotal but difficult moment, God calls Moses to do the unthinkable, to return to Egypt, to to ultimately free God's people who had been enslaved by the Egyptians for hundreds of years at this point. And as God calls Moses to return, he makes this promise, and he paints this picture of what he's ultimately wanting to see take place. It's recorded in Exodus chapter three, verse 12. Here's what it says. And God said, I will be with you. In other words, you won't be alone. I'm gonna be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. In other words, you will experience me in community, not in isolation. I'm gonna bring the people back to the same spot and you're gonna worship me there. In a few years, in a few chapters later, in Exodus chapter 19, God would fulfill his promise and his dream because God fulfills his promises. Here's what it says in Exodus 19 verse one. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from uh, Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. This is the same mountain that Moses had been at. And and in finding the freedom from slavery that that generation, that generation after generation of of Israelites had cried out to God for. They, They longed for the moment of freedom to step out of Egypt. They finally had reached it. The Israelites would now find themselves encamped at the same exact mountain where God had called Moses originally to go free them. What had started as an individual cry out to God by Israelites for generations, what had started as an individual encounter with God by Moses would lead to what God's ultimate desire was and still is to this day, this collective moment of worship. You see, this encampment would be a pivotal moment for God's people. God would establish a covenant with them in this place. This covenant would not simply guide how these people interact with God, but it would ultimately guide how they interacted with each other. And in coming to church today, we often miss the beauty and heart of God that is found only in the context of community. It's like the beaming smile of a father who's welcoming his kids back for the holidays. God, God's heart isn't simply to connect with you individually. His heart is to connect us together because a collective pursuit of God captures the heart of God because it captures the intent of God. And while, while much like Moses, God might find you in a season of isolation, maybe of pain or of disappointment, of discouragement or of loneliness, God's intent is not to leave you that way. Maybe you can relate to Moses. He was on the backside of the wilderness, felt like he was so far from everything familiar, everything positive. He, he had everything going for him in the Egyptian palace, and now everything was against him. He's simply looking after sheep for his father-in-law, and it felt like he had lost so much, and he was all by himself. Maybe you're in that place, but God has promised to never leave you. And, and not only has he promised not leave you alone, but he simply uh, doesn't want to help you overcome your pain or suffering, but but his intent is that you could be in community. 
in the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah that would ultimately be fulfilled in Jesus. They stated that the Messiah, this Jesus, would be Emmanuel and translated God with us. Later in the New Testament, you get to the New Testament, the first book of the second half of the Bible known as the New Testament, the book of Matthew, uh, as, as the angel is sharing with Mary that she's going to give birth to this son, uh, she says that, that his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And, and, and Matthew's gospel is this remarkable book because woven throughout that gospel uh, is the same theme that God is with us, this Emmanuel. And throughout the stories and, and the teachings and the life of Jesus that is recorded, we see this theme that, that ties it all together. And, and it would culminate at the end of Matthew's gospel with what we refer to as the Great Commission. As, as, as in Matthew 20, as Jesus would give this amazing command or commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he would, he would close out that challenge, that command, that great commission with this promise in Matthew 28, 20. He said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's like the bookends of Matthew's gospel. The beginning, we learned this Jesus would be Emmanuel, God with us. At the end, Jesus said, I am gonna be with you. And it's a theme throughout Matthew. And if we simply stopped with that promise, you once again could assume God's intent is to be with us by ourselves, just you and God against the world. But God never intends it to just be you and him on this journey of life and of faith. Going back to Exodus 3.12, we read a minute ago, this is what God was saying to Moses about his ultimate hope for Moses and his people. He said this, I will be with you. This is where you are. Like, you're, you're by yourself, you're on the backside of the wilderness of Midian, you're, you're on Mount Sinai, I will be with you. This is where you are. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. This is my hope. In other words, this is the picture, this is what I'm aiming for. I don't just want it to be just you, but I want it to be all of you. You see, from the beginning of humanity, God has created us called us and is hoping that we would find ourselves in community. In, in Genesis chapter two, second chapter of the entire Bible, is God is creating man and woman. He's creating everything. In, in verse 18 of Genesis two, God said this of, of Adam, the first man. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. From the beginning of creation, from the beginning of God's creation of the human race, God recognized and identified it's not good for us to be alone. And this might be where you would expect me to talk about the importance of life groups and being in community with others on a similar pursuit of faith. This is one of our values as a church that we grow best in the context of relationships. And that is so true. And life groups are crucial to our journey of faith. Being in community is so utterly important. But it's not just being in community with Bible studies or See, community is equally important through worship and prayer. Jesus said this in Matthew 18, verse 19. He said, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. There's power in our collective prayer. Does God hear our individual prayers? Most definitely he hears our cries for help, our desperate pleas for intervention. And he doesn't just hear them, but he comes to them. In Psalm 23, verse four, one of the most famous verses in the Old Testament, it says, even though I walk 
Through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. He, he meets us in those difficult, dark moments. But while God turns us, God turns toward us in our lonely moments, in our isolated moments, his intent has been and always will be to guide us, direct us toward communal worship. You know, the beauty of this time in history is the technology. Uh, the technology that has advanced. If you go back to um, the epidemic, the, the pandemic that took place in the early 1900s, and you read some of the history books and, and what took place during that time, it was a really difficult, confusing time, and people were, were isolated, and, and, and uh, the, the Spanish flu was spreading, and, and it was a scary time, and, and churches at that time uh, would, would publish their sermons in the newspaper so they could still get out. Uh, we fast forward to, to our era now, this time. It's amazing that in 2020, as, as churches had to, to close down, so to speak, as far as gathering in person and, and society shifted a little bit, like the gospel went out at a greater level than it ever has in all of human history. You could just surf Facebook or YouTube and find 100 churches just with a click of a button. You didn't even have to get in your car. Like, what a remarkable time we are, we find ourselves in history. And, and the fact that we can stream our services, that there are people who are watching online. Man, what, I'm so grateful that we have this ability. This is such a beautiful time. I, I can simultaneously be talking to everyone here in person and to so many online. One of the weaknesses, though, of simply gathering digitally is you miss out on something that God's intent is, which is in, being in community. You know, what we have done in worship, what, what we'll take some extra time to do today at the end of the service and pursuing God's heart isn't a solo pursuit. It's also not just some obligatory task that we check off of our list of, of to-dos for this week. It's a collective journey that we take of knowing God, hearing God, and being challenged by, by the community God has placed us in. And, and although uh, streaming services make it possible for so many to stay in touch, Ah, there are people who are traveling, sick, shut-ins. Big shout out to Martha and Jerry as they're joining us from, from their home because they can't make it out. Like I'm so grateful that we have people in our church community that can participate and stay connected to their church family, to their Calvary family. But taking part in church uh, digitally is great. It's a gift and, and I'm so thankful for that. But, but it can never fully replace what God envisioned for the Israelites when they stepped into freedom and gathered on Mount Sinai. And I don't believe it's even what God envisioned ultimately when he launched what we know today as the church on Pentecost, on, on uh, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two. And, and hear me out, we stream our services every Sunday on Facebook and YouTube for a reason. It is a blessing and it is something we will continue to do and has allowed us to stay connected to so many. In fact, Pastor Michael shared with our team just recently that over the last three months, we've had 66 unique people check in at least five times online exclusively. 66 people, five times in just the last three months. That's amazing. What, like what a gift this is. I think it's so awesome and I'm not discounting the medium and the opportunity to stream our services because I think it's important, it's healthy and it has taken the gospel to places that we could never go ourselves. What I'm saying is God will always meet us where we are but his intent is always to lead us toward community. And, and whether you're here in person, you're watching a line, my question is, what step do you need to take to be in community, to worship in community, to gather and pray in community?
because a collective pursuit of God captures the heart of God because it captures the intent of God. The, the transcendent experience of worship is not simply an encounter with God in a place like this, but it is just as importantly an encounter with God's people who are pursuing the same God at the same time. What, what we, man, what an incredible fresh time of worship. We're so blessed as Pastor Michael had with our worship. Like what an incredible time. It's not that it's just you by yourself with a, 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 a CD on or Spotify on. It's us together. That's what makes this time so special. And, and I remember walking through 2020 and the first time we were able to gather again in person and standing here and just listening to the voices. I'm like, man, there is something special about God's people worshiping God collectively. Today isn't simply a service you experience and take part in. No, it is a collective prayer that's offered up to God. Not a prayer that I offer, not a prayer that Pastor Jason and the worship team offers, but a prayer that we collectively offer from our diverse backgrounds, our unique wiring and experiences. We become this unified expression of worship back to God. As the worship team comes today, this is what God calls us to in prayer. As we've already talked about this month, prayer is such a powerful tool God has given us to stay connected to him, to be empowered by him, to ultimately be led by his Holy Spirit. My, but, but prayer offered in community takes an entirely different tone and it accomplishes an even deeper purpose. In, in Psalm chapter 22 and verse three in the King James Version, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. I love that verse, that God inhabits the praises of his people. Today as we worship we're gonna take some extended time to worship. What a powerful thing that we get to do. What this verse says is that God takes up residence in the collective worship and prayer of his precious people. And, and when we worship, as we worship, my hope is that you can push through the distractions and that you could encounter God today. But my deeper and more important prayer is that we could offer a collective prayer back up to God. That just as God did when King Solomon dedicated the temple in 1 Kings 8 or 2 Chronicles 7. It says that the glory of the Lord fell in that place. There was something special that took place. And in Acts chapter two, as the disciples gathered in the upstairs room on the day of Pentecost, it says that they were in one accord, they were in unity, and they were seeking God together. And the, the spirit and power of God descended on them. And, and if you fast forward to the future, Revelation chapter seven, it says that people from every tribe and tongue, every corner of the earth will gather together and declare the praises of God. It's not a bunch of individuals doing their own thing. It's the collection of the whole. Like that's God's intent for us. That's God's intent for you. It's not just that you would discover who you are and that you could be the best you you could ever be. And, and that's part of it, it's a starting point. But ultimately, his goal is to be in community. And it's not just in life groups. That's such an important time to dig into the word of God, to, 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 to allow iron to sharpen iron. But as we gather every week and we worship and we seek God together, as we're gonna do today and have some extended time to do today, we have the opportunity to not just offer God a solo prayer, a solo worship, but we get to offer him collective prayer, collective worship. Because God's intent is for this. How do I know that? Because that's the picture you see painted of heaven one day. 
His intent isn't a bunch of people in their own rooms worshiping God. His intent is that we can be a collective expression back to him with all of our backgrounds, all of our differences, the diversity of the church of Jesus Christ. Offer this collective praise back to him. And, and I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what your week has looked like or how 2024 has kicked off for you. Maybe it's good or bad. But I know this, that you're in the presence of people that love you. Maybe they've never said that to you before. Maybe you're like, no one's ever said that in this place. I want you to know you're in the presence of people who love you. And, and we love you enough that we're gonna pursue God with all of our heart because you need it and I need it and we all need it. We need it collectively. Not just individually, we need it collectively. There's something transcendent about God's people seeking him collectively that can't be replaced, it can't be mimicked. It's something special. And that's what we get to do today. If you could stand with me this morning. We're, we're gonna take some extended time this morning to worship God. And, and uh, we're, we're, not, we're not having agenda here. This, this, is, this is us collectively seeking the heart of God, pursuing the heart of God and saying, God, for this time, this space, for these moments, it's about you. We are offering a collective praise and prayer back to him. Sometimes we lift our hands, if you're not familiar, and, and we do that just as a sign of surrender. And, and, and maybe for you, it's just a solemn moment where you can just stand there and be still in his presence. But let's offer our prayers and worship back to him. Not, not as some individual pursuit, but as a collective pursuit. That as we move forward together toward God's heart, that we do it together, not individually. That we pull each other up, that we push each other and challenge each other. If you feel comfortable just lifting your hands this morning, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, for the presence that's in this place. God, I thank you, Lord, for what you've already accomplished this morning and how you've been moving in our lives. Today, we surrender to you, our struggles, our difficulties, knowing, Lord, that we're among family here. God, we're among people who, who love us and care for us, who are pursuing the same God we're pursuing. God, take this collective worship. God, descend in this place. Let your glory fall as you have so many times throughout human history. We are your people. And God, today, we offer you our praises. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 